For the first Washington report of 2022, the House and Senate are both in session Monday through Thursday this week. In the House, they'll return tonight with a quorum call set for 6.30 p.m. On Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the House is likely to consider H.R. 1836, the Guard and Reserve GI Bill Parity Act, H.R. 4673, the EVEST Act, and the House Amendment to the Senate Amendment to H.R. 5746, also known as the NASA Enhanced Use Leasing Extension Act of 2021. Last week in the Senate, a snowstorm hit Washington at the beginning of the week and delayed the Senate's return to work by a day. So the Senate opened for business on Tuesday and resumed consideration of the nomination of Ann A. Witkowski to be Secret Assistant Secretary of State for Conflict and Stabilization Operations. On Wednesday, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on and then to confirm the nomination of Ann A. Witkowski to be Assistant Secretary of State for Conflict and stabilization operations, and then they were done. This week in the Senate, they'll return today with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. At that time, the Senate will proceed to a roll call vote on the nomination of Alan Davidson to be Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Communications and Information. Then, based on the Majority Leader's cloture filings, I anticipate the Senate will vote on the nomination of Amitabha Bose to be the Administrator of the Federal Railroad Administration of the Department of Transportation and the nomination of Alan Davidson to be Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Communications and Information. On Wednesday and Thursday, the Senate will be debating the Democrats' attempt to federalize election administration. They call it voting rights. We call it the Pelosi power grab. And if Majority Leader Schumer is to be believed, he will not only force a vote on a measure to begin debate on a bill that's already failed three times, he will go one step further and attempt to go nuclear. That is, to change the rules of the Senate, not by the two-thirds vote mandated in the official rules of the Senate, but by simple majority vote, with a tie-breaking vote cast by the vice president, who would oddly have to, rule, have to vote against her own ruling. We'll talk more about that in a moment. The Senate is also likely to vote on Senator Ted Cruz's amendment imposing sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, about which we will also talk more in a moment. But first, to the Build Back Socialist Act. After West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin blew up the prospects for passing the Build Back Socialist bill before Christmas, senior Biden administration and congressional Democrats quickly moved to spin that it was only a temporary thing, and that Manchin had made clear he was willing to revisit the talks he'd had with President Biden before Christmas. They made it sound as if Biden and Manchin would quickly resume discussions with a view to finding a compromise they both could support. Early last week, when he returned to Washington, Manchin made clear that whoever was spinning that didn't know what he was talking about. There were no negotiations going on, none at all. And everyone should just move on, he told reporters. Inside the White House, there was a lot of anger at the way the senior White House staff had mishandled Manchin. When White House staffers get upset, they leak. So it wasn't surprising that by the end of the week, the Washington Post was running a story with details of the $1.8 trillion plan that Manchin had offered Biden while they were still talking. A $1.8 trillion spending plan that was now, according to Manchin, off the table for good. You can read more about it in the suggested reading. Now to vaccine mandates. On Friday, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in two cases challenging the Biden administration's vaccine mandates. The first, a challenge to OSHA's mandate that private companies with 100 or more employees require their employees to get the jab or go through weekly testing and regular masking. 
The second, a challenge to the requirement that healthcare entities that receive Medicare or Medicaid funding impose a vaccination requirement on their employees. The private sector mandate would apply to about 84 million workers. The healthcare mandate would apply to about 10 million workers. I'm always leery of trying to make assessments of where the individual justices stand simply based on the content of the questions they ask during the oral arguments. So let me just say this. Based on the questions they asked, it certainly seems that the six Republican-appointed justices don't think there's a legal or even a constitutional basis for the OSHA mandate on private sector employers. There may be more wiggle room on the health care workers mandate. We'll see. We're likely to get a ruling from the Supreme Court on the two cases sometime in the next few weeks. Now to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. We haven't talked about this, so let me take a moment and give you some background. Prior to the Christmas break, Majority Leader Schumer and Senator Ted Cruz of Texas struck a deal. In exchange for Cruz releasing his holds on dozens of State Department nominees, Schumer agreed to schedule a vote on Cruz's Nord Stream 2 pipeline sanctions amendment by January 14th, which is this coming Friday. So sometime this week, the Senate will hold a vote on that Cruz amendment. At issue is the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which will carry natural gas from Russia to Germany. It has been built, but is not yet in service because German regulators have not yet certified it for use. When it comes online, it will double the capacity of the Nord Stream pipeline system, increasing Russian gas delivery from 55 billion cubic meters to 110 billion cubic meters per year. German regulators anticipate certification could be completed between March and June of this year. Russian gas imports accounted for about 48% of EU natural gas imports in 2020. As Germany reduces coal use and ends nuclear energy production, that will increase. Russian natural gas used to flow to Europe over land routes that transited Ukraine. Before Nord Stream 1 came online in 2011, about 80% of Russia's natural gas exports to Europe went through Ukraine. By 2019, that had dropped to 45%. When Nord Stream 2 comes online, that will drop even further. Successive Congresses and presidential administrations have opposed Nord Stream 2 since the pipeline began construction. Increasingly stringent sanctions legislation was enacted in 2017, 2019, and 2020. The Biden administration has used those laws to sanction some entities associated with the pipeline, but at the same time has also waived the application of new sanctions against the Nord Stream 2 AG company itself, its chief executive officer, and other corporate officers. The Biden administration opposes the Cruz sanctions amendment and is working to turn Democrat senators against it. Senator Cruz says any Democrat who votes against the sanctions amendment will only be doing so to avoid embarrassing the Biden administration, that if Donald Trump were still president, Democrats would happily vote for the sanctions amendment. We'll see if he's right later this week. Stay tuned. Now to breaking the Senate. Senate Majority Leader Schumer is going to do something this week that will demonstrate a clear difference between Republicans and Democrats. He's going to show that while Republicans in the Senate maintain consistency, whether they're in the majority or the minority, Democrats in the majority are, in fact, very different from Democrats in the minority. In 2017, when Republicans were in control of the White House, the House, and the Senate, Republican leader Mitch McConnell came under a great deal of pressure to abandon the filibuster and invoke the nuclear option. 
to allow a slim Republican majority to pass laws without the 60-vote threshold that had been Senate tradition for more than a century. Critics said he should do it, if for no other reason than the Democrats would certainly do it the first chance they got, and he should not wait. He refused, and the filibuster remained in place. And Senate Democrats used that filibuster to block several pieces of legislation, like the attempt to fund construction of a wall on the southern border. Back then, Senate Democrats were so scared the GOP would do away with the filibuster that 32 of them signed a letter with 29 Republicans, 61 senators in all, defending the filibuster. Quote, we are writing to urge you to support our efforts to preserve existing rules, practices, and traditions as they pertain to the right of members to engage in extended debate on legislation before the United States Senate. We are united in our determination to preserve the ability of members to engage in extended debate when bills are on the Senate floor, end quote. Extended debate is another way of saying, don't bring it to a close. Let's filibuster. The Democrat senators who signed that letter include Michael Bennett of Colorado, Cory Booker of New Jersey, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, Maria Cantwell of Washington, Tom Carper of Delaware, Bob Casey Jr. of Pennsylvania, Chris Coons of Delaware, Tammy Duckworth of Illinois, Diane Feinstein of California, Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, Martin Heinrich of New Mexico, Maisie Hirono of Hawaii, Tim Kaine of Virginia, Angus King of Maine, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Ed Markey of Massachusetts, Bob Menendez of New Jersey, Pat Leahy of Vermont, Jack Reed of Rhode Island, Brian Schatz of Hawaii, Jean Shaheen of New Hampshire, Debbie Stabenow of Michigan, John Tester of Montana, Mark Warner of Virginia, and Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island. Oh, and Kamala Harris of California, who of course is no longer a member of the United States Senate, but is now the president of the Senate as the vice president of the United States. Now it's almost five years later and Democrats are in control and they're about to try to do away with the filibuster. No fewer than 27 of the Democrats who signed that pro-filibuster letter almost five years ago are still in the Senate. But now that they're in the majority, they're apparently viewing the filibuster quite differently. Now it's no longer a protection for the minority, it's merely a hindrance that blocks the enactment of the majority's wishes, and it must be destroyed so that the will of the majority can be enacted even if it takes breaking the Senate to do it. But we know that at least two Senate Democrats, Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, oppose abandoning the filibuster. And we think others, including Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, John Tester of Montana, Angus King of Maine, and Tim Kaine, and Mark Warner of Virginia, are silently opposed. So if and when Leader Schumer tries to invoke the nuclear option, the betting here is that he'll fail. That's our Washington report for this week.